years ago, um, locking up the building. I think we had an evening meeting and uh, it was raining and I was the last one to leave here and uh, for some reason something had gone wrong so I had to pack something or fix something. And I remember walking into the car park and it was just my car left and thinking to the Lord, how, how much longer am I going to have to lock this building and you know pack up and all that kind of thing? Well, the day has finally arrived, amen? I couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, who would have believed it, eh? It's been an amazing time here. And you know what's amazing is that some, some people have been here uh, two weeks. Chatted to a lady this morning. It's her second week here. She got saved two days ago in one of our connect groups. And uh, some have been here for longer than that. Some have been here for a year. Some have been here since the very first day we moved in here 13 years ago. So it's just wonderful. And uh, wherever you sit in that journey, um, you've, you are here at a very exciting time in the life of this church, really. And um, we're incredibly grateful to the Lord and thankful to the Lord for what He's done over the last uh, 13 years. But we're also very excited to see what he's going to do into our future and in the next uh, 13 years. But we're in a time of transition as a church. And I'd just like to uh, just share a few points around that. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I just want to read from Numbers chapter 9 and verse 15 to 23. It's all about how the Israelites moved uh, when the cloud moved. And so Numbers chapter 9 and from verse 15 says this, On the day uh, the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command, whenever he told them to go, wherever he told them to go, sorry. And when they remained in their camp, as, uh, sorry, then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. Imagine that. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped and traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. So there's this picture of the Israelites moving through the desert, and when the cloud stopped, they set up camp. As soon as the cloud lifted, they broke camp, and then they followed the cloud to the next destination. They didn't always know. Well, they never knew exactly where that next destination is. They just totally relied on the Lord and just followed the cloud. And wherever that cloud would go, they would uh, follow it and then set up camp again. 
But there's every time, I mean, they do it far more regularly than what we're doing it here, but there is a season of transition happening. So you can imagine sometimes it says they were there for over a year, and they, maybe some of them have got a really good spot, great view, first time and all of this wandering, they finally got a good view, and, uh, you know, and they settled in, and a year later, the cloud lifted up the one morning, and then suddenly, oh, let's pack up, the cloud's moving. And you can imagine, some of the guys must have been like, hey, hang on, <laughs> I finally got the best campsite ever, great view, great area for grazing and whatever, and now we've got to move. And you can imagine that some of these transitional um, factors came into play. And whenever, whenever we go through a season change, there are four stages to that. And that could be a church moving. It could be a handover in leadership in a church. It could be that God is shifting you and doing something in your life. And there could be a season change. But the first stage is this. It's revelation. Revelation is where God speaks and he starts telling us what that season change is going to look like. And it's, it's revelation because it's not something that we come up with. It's not a clever idea. The church is not a business where we make plans and we kind of are the CEO and we just choose what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We are like a family following that cloud. And when the cloud lifts, we know it's time to move. That's the revelation stage. And then, and the, and the other thing to say about that is that we can't move the cloud. <laughs> We'd like to try and twist God's arm behind his back. And we've been praying and praying and praying and praying for the cloud to move. But for some reason or not, God just won't allow us to move him. He moves himself. We can only respond to the moving of the cloud. The second stage is confrontation. And this is where God has spoken He's revealed his will, and now there's a confrontation because sometimes our will doesn't line up with God's will. <laughs> and so there's a clash, and there's a, hang on, Lord, I thought you were going to do this, and I thought we were going to go there, and God's saying, no, actually, I want you to do this. And there's a confrontation because there's a clash of wills. And actually, you can see this happening in so many people's lives throughout the Bible. Even Jesus had this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. There was a confrontation of wills, but he yielded and he said, Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. Yeah. When, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, he was confronted by Jesus. And, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There was a confrontation. Paul had a plan, he had a will, he had his ideas of what was going to happen, and Jesus confronted him and had a different idea for his life, and there was a confrontation of wills. And the next stage is where there's transformation, and that is where we yield to God and he changes something inside of our lives. We're actually changed from the inside out, and that's how, how God works. If you have a look at Romans chapter 12, you can see this. Romans chapter 12 and from verse 1. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, 
the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's God, when he works in our life, he transforms the way we think so that we think like he does. We, he gives revelation, there's confrontation, and when we yield to him, when we present our whole body to the Lord, he changes the way we think. And there's transformation that takes place in our lives. And then it says, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. When we have the confrontation stage, we're thinking God's will isn't good, it isn't pleasing, and it isn't perfect, because we know better. <laughs> we're thinking, you know, why, why, why do we have to move? What's wrong with this building? But God has plans that we don't even know about, and He has a future for us that requires a different tool for the task, and that's a different building to this. We've had our season here, and God is actually saying, well, it's time to move on. And it's, it's interesting because we've kind of, we've had the door shut for us. We haven't, uh, we haven't decided just to up and leave, but literally the door has been shut for us. The school have asked us to be out by the end of the first term. And so it's almost like God is saying, the season is over. I'm shutting the door. I've shut the door at the kids' ministry. <laughs> there are not many more doors that God can shut. And, uh, but, but God is good, eh? and he's, he's, he's moving in our lives. And so the third stage is this transformation stage where we lay down our plans, and God shapes us, and he transforms us. And then the fourth and final stage is manifestation, where we see the plans and purposes of God manifested. They fleshed out. God does an amazing work. And we actually go, oh, now we see what God was talking about all along. But in any season that we're in, there's always an appropriate response to that season. And so we've been through a 13-year season in, in the school. And we can say, well, what have we learned? What has God done in our lives during these last 13 years? And I'm just going to mention a few things that I think God has done. But I think we've, we've learned that church is about multi-generational leadership. That it should never, a church should never just be planted and kind of grow with a leader. But when that leader resigns or retires or whatever, the church is over. It should be multi-generational where we hand on the baton to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So one day when I'm in heaven, and if Jesus hasn't returned yet, I should be able to look down and see, oh, New Gen City Church is still going because the baton has been passed on. And we are in now our second generation of leadership in this church. Tom and Sandra Sumner planted the church. They handed over in 2012. And... Sometime in the future, there will be another handover and maybe another and another and another. Who knows how many handovers, but this church should exist right until the day Jesus returns. That's what church is all about, multi-generational. And, and we, we don't build around a personality. We're not building around any one person. Actually, we're building around the person of Jesus. He's the person we build around, but not, not human. So we've learned about multi-generational ministry. We've, 
We've learned uh, about victory in the midst of opposition. We faced some incredible opposition over the years in the church, and we've learned how God gives us victory in those times. I mean, that handover nearly cost me my life, and I landed up in hospital, for those of you who don't know, but God got us through it, and it was a, it was a difficult time for the church. I remember people were just stepping in and just filling roles because suddenly, you know, there's just this vacuum and who's going to do this, who's going to do the next thing, but, but God really moved powerfully. Um, we've had people wanting to sue us as a church, threatening court uh, stuff, and we've had guys trying to even split the church, believe it or not, and just incredible opposition over the years, but in all of it, God has been victorious. And we just praise God for that. And we've also learned uh, just to be faithful in prayer. I can remember many, many years ago, uh, probably about 10 years ago, something like that, but just standing in the front and worshiping, and I felt God say, I'm looking for a people who will be faithful in prayer. And I don't care what their denomination is or what their model is or how they structure their church. But if they commit to pray, I'm going to use them. And I just said, God, we will be that people. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed. Sometimes we've had like three people at the prayer meeting, but we've had the prayer meeting. We've decided to have a dedicated meeting for prayer. We didn't want to tack it on to our Sunday meeting as like an add-on. We felt it's so important it needs its own meeting. And we've done that for years and years and we can see God's faithfulness as a result of it. And we're still believing that it's going to unfold and, and results in new things, new breakthroughs in the Lord in the future. Yeah. We've learned about servanthood. <laughs> and you'll see in the video, you saw that time lapse at the end of just the busy bees packing up and setting up. As wonderful as this building has been, it's been a lot of work. And I mean... We, at the moment, we're not even doing half of it. Like a lot of the artwork and a lot of the tables are left out. But it was a lot of work setting up this building and packing it away and then putting it back out the way that the teachers want because we want to honor them. We don't want them rocking up on a Monday morning and their classroom is all chaotic. It's not fair on them. So as much as this building has been a blessing, it's also been a lot of hard work. I can remember the kidsmen the one time the kids came out of there like covered in white dust because <laughs> the pottery class, I think something exploded in that pottery class and there was just clay dust everywhere. <laughs> the kids loved it, but the poor workers up there were like, oh man, that's a lot of work. But we've learned servanthood in this season. We've learned that, hey, we're not afraid of hard work as a church. And sometimes serving God is hard work and we're not shying away from that. We've also learned the, the value of partnership. Just over the years, you know, you see in the video there, some of the guys that we've had through, some of the guest speakers, and some of them have had incredible impact into the life of this church. You may, you may not notice it because it's more behind-the-scenes stuff, but I've certainly appreciated it, and the elders have certainly benefited from just some of the stuff that we've been able to talk through and make adjustments, and they've made massive changes to the way we do church. So we've really appreciated just the involvement, uh, particularly of the NCMI team. And then just the faithfulness of God. We've seen that 
Uh, one of those pictures you would have seen was a picture of seven of our ladies who were all pregnant, and then the picture below was all of them with their babies. And I remember Mike Hanchett came, and he ministered many years ago, and one of the things he prayed over was, was couples that were struggling to fall pregnant, and uh, I think there were about seven or so couples, and all of them had babies in the next like, couple of months, you know. Um, so it's just the faithfulness of God. He's come through so many times for us. Um, it would take all morning to list it all. But even for providing for our needs, you know, um, with the building that we're going to be using, the hub, God has provided incredibly for that building. Every time we've added on staff members, um, God has provided. The, the tension that you walk with is that you don't want to be wasteful with God's money, but you want to take a step of faith, and faith always involves risk. You can never go, well, I've got 100 bucks on the bank, so we're prepared to spend 80. That's not faith. Faith is God saying, spend 150 and I'll provide, and you've got 100. There's always risk involved. But we don't want to be wasteful, so we're trying to walk that kind of tightrope between you know, being faithful with the money of God but exercising faith as well. And so every time we've brought people onto staff, we've kind of taken a faith step, but God has come through and provided wonderfully for us. So those are some of the things that we've learned in this uh, current season that we are on our final day in, eh? <laughs> you can tell I'm happy. But what are we going to learn in our next season? Well, I think, well, I'm not 100% sure, but some of the things I think we're going to learn, I think we're going to learn about the fruitfulness of God. I think we're going to see an incredible fruitfulness in every area of our lives, in every ministry that we're involved in, in our families, personally, in our workplaces, in just us being fruitful in our community. I think there's something about the fruitfulness of God that we are going to walk in. And the thing with fruitfulness is that it doesn't take effort. It takes faith and belief. It takes being plugged into the Lord and fruitfulness is a natural result of that. So it's not going to be about trying harder, but it's going to be about seeing fruit. And the other thing linked to that is multiplication. I think that we are going to see God multiplying us like never before. And yes, God does add, but he also multiplies. And I think it's going to be in terms of seeing people saved, but multiplication in every area that we're involved in, every ministry. And even in things like just discipling people one-on-one. -on -one. When you spend time with someone and you train them and you disciple them, that's addition because you're adding one person. But when you train them and disciple them and you teach them to disciple others, now you're multiplying. Because you can then move on to someone else, disciple them, they disciple someone else, and now suddenly, instead of it just being one person added at a time, the work is multiplying. And really, we are here because of the, the church's discipleship process. If the church weren't discipling people, it would have ended in the book of Acts chapter 28, and that would be the end of it. But, but the baton has been passed on for the last 2,000 years, and here we are, the result of the power of discipleship and multiplication. Then the, something else I think that we're going to see is just a greater manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. 
and being filled with the Spirit. I mean, we've, we've, seen, we've seen some incredible things over the years, some amazing healings and some just God breaking in here and there. But I think there's going to be a fullness of that that we're going to walk in. And linked to that is also just ministering in power. Where, well, like Paul said, um, I haven't come to preach with, with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I really feel that the season we're going into, we're going to see a lot more of that. And then the final thing is, I think we're going to learn to, to be large and family. You know, a large family operates differently to a small family. When you've got 12 kids, things work differently to when you've got one kid. <laughs> There's a whole different way of doing family life. Um, and I think where God is leading us, um, the, one of the words I'll share with you now that's been over our church ever since I can remember is that we will be large, multicultural, and family. And those things don't go together unless God does something miraculous. Because to be large and to be family is difficult. <laughs> you can be small and be family, very easy. You can be single culture and, and grow large or even small. But to be multicultural takes a move of God. It really does. It's, it's, uh, and it's something that God is uniquely doing in, in a few places. And one of them is because he's spoken this word over us. It's not to say that other churches are wrong. They have a different calling from the Lord. But our specific thing, it's going to take a miracle from the Lord to do what we're doing. And I think in this next season, we're going to see a greater fleshing out of all of that. Eh? Very exciting. Then, then uh, let me just deal with the, the why, the how, and the when. So part of, part of the why is the words that God has spoken to us over the years. And I just want to read, read through a whole of these words quickly. You've heard some of them over the years, but it's good to remind ourselves. Um, the, that word that um, Tom and Sandra felt right from the beginning, the word large, multicultural, and family, that is a word over our church, that's who we are, that's what we embrace, that's what we trust in God for. And then um, in 2016, Tom had a dream about the church. He saw us in a different building with a mezzanine level that was packed. Everyone was really excited and the place was buzzing. And he said the place was packed with hundreds of people, possibly thousands. And the thing that surprised him was that he recognized familiar faces of people who had once been in the church but had left and had returned. That's interesting to me. I think we, part of what we're going to see in this next season is a returning of some of the people that were with us, you know, over the years. Mark Hanchett in, in uh, 2007. So for those of you that maybe you've never heard of Mark Hanchett, he's on the uh, New Covenant Ministries international team, and his gifting is primarily uh, being a prophet. And so... These were some of the words that he had. This is 2007. This is the year before we moved in here. He saw the church doubling four times. He felt God wanted us to own 12 to 15 acres of land and that God was going to give us an inordinate number of leaders. Okay? So just more leaders than we know what to do with. <laughs> some years later, he saw a picture of New Gen being like a number of circles with links between them like hubs and spokes. 
Interesting, eh? We've got one hub. <laughs> now we're looking for the wheel. <laughs> Tower and Daniel in 2009. Tower and Daniel leads the New Covenant Ministries team. Um, he said this, New Gen City Church is called to be a church that impacts the city, that has a greater sphere of influence across Melbourne, including relationally linking churches together. He sees business people coming in, key business people come in and open doors of influence and relationships in the city. Some may only stay for a while, but will come in and open doors and build bridges with people of influence in the city and release finance. And he said, we've also have a continued role and inheritance in impacting the nations. Uh, we have a call to plant again into the surrounding areas. So these are things that we, we're holding in close to our heart and we're saying, God, do these things through us. You know, we're expectant for this stuff to happen. And then in, um, I've shared that word that I had about prayer. Um, I, had a, I had a picture in, in 2012 um, when I was in hospital. I saw a picture, I don't know whether you can see this, of the map of Melbourne with a red line drawn up from the middle. And I felt God say, reach into every area west of that line. And that's something that I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this because that's a large area. But we're trusting God for impact into everywhere west of that line. I'm not saying we're not going to reach into people that live in, say, St. Kilda or whatever. But I felt so strongly that God said, reach into this area. And I felt like he was trying to break a mindset of um, we just called to Tarnit or just called to Point Cook or whatever, reach into Sunshine, reach into Footscray, Yarraville, you know, Seddon, uh, whatever, you know, Pascovale, I think, is there, Coburg, all these places, and just Melton, and trust God for impact into these, these areas. It's, an, it's doable. I felt like that's the sense that God was saying. Um, and then, interestingly, um, in 2014... I, uh, we had an elders meeting, and I, and I had this picture of uh, this large ship, like a 1700s Spanish galleon or something like that, you know. Um, and I felt God say to me, stay the course, and had the sense that God didn't want us to take turns to the left or the right, but to keep the ship heading on its current course. And then I saw the ship slowing down and losing momentum, but after a while, the wind came from behind and the ship lurched forward. And I felt God impressing on me that when the wind hits, we don't want to be sideways, trying to like figure out what's going on, trying to get some momentum happening. We just want to stick to what we feel God's saying. Um, and set your sails so that when the wind comes, it's just going to be an explosive growth in the church. And uh, <laughs> I can remember sharing that in some pastors' meetings, and it was like I had the plague. Eh? The, no one wants to be near the guy that's lost momentum. <laughs> and the wind's dying down around him. But anyway, we're looking forward to the wind blowing powerfully eh? and uh, just seeing some explosive growth. Anyway, I'll jump through a few of these. But uh, in 2015, Leo and Christine Nakotra, who lead a church in Sydney, both of them felt that this building didn't suit the season that we were in. 
And uh, they felt that we were in a new season as a church, but using an old tool. And the word was actually confirmed by Rudy Furlong. And so we've actually been looking for venues since for the last six years and just praying and looking at various options. And it's like, just as something seemed like it was opening, we were about to dive in there and then the door got shut. And uh, the, the last one was this building that looked pretty good, had a lot of car parking and that kind of thing. And we were about to kind of commit to a seven-year lease with them and do a whole lot of renovating. And as we were kind of thinking about it, the coronavirus hit, and uh, we all went into lockdown and had to do online church. And I just said, praise the Lord, we never signed anything like the week before the virus hit. I mean, God's literally been uh, protected us in that area. Eh? But he's opened up another door now. And uh, it just this, this seems like things are just opening and God is going before us. We got favor with the builders. Uh, it, I believe that this is going to unlock a huge potential of ministry into our future. Right. Uh, let me just read a few, few more words here that um, Dave Hagar brought in 2018 over the church. He said, I feel like God is showcasing you as a new face of the church, not a religious face, but a vibrant, refreshing, creative face and a heart of love to reach your community in a city and in the nations. And it will challenge people's mindsets about Jesus and the church. He's giving you fresh strategies for a new day. He's favoring you and featuring you. Expect favor, expect much favor, even seemingly unfair favor and enviable favor. God is caring for your needs, but also for the needs of others. And there's a canopy of grace and favor over this church. People will be drawn into the favor. The kindness of God will lead people to repentance. He said, I felt that there will be an opportunity to do painting for someone and also mowing lawns. So if that's you, maybe service your mower. And that will open up doors, acts of kindness, opening up doors for the gospel. There's a supernatural edge upon this church. You're fishing for souls and God is raising up fishermen and women. And he's also challenging, or sorry, changing the bait with fresh new strategies to catch fish. I see the gifts of the Spirit operating in the marketplace, acts of kindness in the marketplace. Testimonies of these loving acts will resonate in the community. Word will get out. Come and see what God is doing and has done. I see laughter and authentic family and community drawing people in. I see broken lives being restored in a church where there's real love and real discipleship. And that's actually a word that's been highlighted recently, that we really feel like we're in a season now where God is going to send us to people who are broken. So expect that. Expect to be sent by God to people who are broken and who need hope. And uh, God's going to use you in this season. Um, Some people believe and belong. Some people belong then believe. Drawn into family, loving and caring community. God is opening up doors of resources. He's blessing this house with resources. I see people investing in and getting behind the vision, even non-Christians. I see effective teams. I see color in your expression of the gospel. 
technology, song, art, dance. I had a vision of an antenna and felt that you're picking up the sounds and strategies of heaven, in tune, listening and attentive, like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. One thing is needed in this season, focus on Jesus and divine strategies from the throne room. I feel like you're going to have more visible be more visible in the community. And that's, the hub is opening that up in a massive way. God's strategies, even in the area of sport, bringing fun, challenging mindsets about Jesus and the church. And I'm just trusting, like, while I'm sharing this, like, things are going to spark off in your life. God's going to put his finger and say, hey, that's you. I want you involved in that. Um, God is honing and tweaking. I see a sharp spearhead of leadership, getting together, preferring one another, like-minded and of the same person, uh, purpose. God is doing something delightful in leadership for greater effectiveness. Children are a key. Growth in children's ministry. A door to the local community is kids' ministry. Parents, even non-Christians, will be drawn by what they see with their children. It's going to take some resources and some planning, which God will supply. This has been one of the key things that has kind of directed us in our search for a venue for Sunday. Because the hub is an amazing building, but the thing it lacks is kids' ministry facilities. So midweek stuff, it's going to have an incredible impact on things like the youth group, on ladies' meetings, men's meetings, training times, uh, prayer meeting, uh, any kind of courses that we want to run, music practices, all that type of thing. I think the hub's going to be so busy that we're going to need some kind of a booking system <laughs> or give people credits or something like that. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to be a busy place. And I think that's the idea behind a hub. But in terms of our Sunday meeting, we are looking for somewhere that's going to have great kidsmen facilities. We actually looked at a school uh, a week ago, and they are keen for us to rent it. It ticks a lot of boxes, but it doesn't tick the kids' ministry box. And so we're going, well, keep it on the back burner. We'll use it if we have to, but we're trusting God for something really amazing so that our kids don't go backwards. We don't want them squashed in a corner. We are certainly not a church that feels like this is the main meeting, and the kids are kind of a secondary meeting. They, their spirits are as important as ours. And we want to see, I mean, you look at the video, and it's like those kids that were in kids' ministry back then, they're serving and they're involved in, in home groups and youth and sound and music. They were kids back then getting taught by you guys, and now they, we're seeing the fruit of that, and it's going to be the same with the current kids. And we want them to have incredible facilities. So... That's one of the things that you can pray with us for. Um, at the moment, it seems like a lot of schools are kind of a bit edgy when it comes to the virus. They don't want us coming in there and leaving the virus behind, and then their kids come, and one of the kids gets it, and then they shut the school down. That's what I think people are kind of a bit weary about. But I think we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, things are going to start lifting, and schools are going to become more confident in saying, okay, we're happy to rent to you guys. Uh, we've had schools that say, yeah, no, we rent. We'd love to have you. And then how many people are you needing? We say, well, we need, currently we're needing about 150 in our Sunday meeting. They're like, whoa, that's way too big. We were thinking like 40. You know, churches that are 40 or something, we're happy to have them. 
But as soon as we say, you know, we've got this kind of number, they all get, get scared of, you know, getting infected or whatever. So we've just got to keep praying. And um, I'll just share a little bit about what we're going to do in the meantime. But let me just finish this, uh, these prophetic words, and then I'll wrap it up. Um, I see you with a presence at fairs and exhibitions, even art exhibitions. In fact, when we first joined the church, we had an art exhibition as a church. We booked out the, um, the arts, uh, what's it called? The Wyndham Cultural Center, and we did a whole art exhibition there. It was great. It's just good to have a presence in the community eh? and to see some of the talented individuals in our church uh, strutting their stuff. And uh, uh, I see a strong apostolic hub. And, and there's a, there it is again, the hub. I see arrows going in and coming, going out and coming in. I see people visiting New Gen to catch something. Real and authentic Christianity and big vision. I see people coming from other churches who will resonate with this vision. There will also be at times those who will try and clamp out or put pressure on to dwarf the vision. But God says, don't allow anyone to hijack or distract. Big apostolic vision will always be your portion and calling card. There will be miraculous testimonies of provision to go to the nations. Uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, who was amazed by the brilliance of the house. Not just another church, but there's a brilliance of this house, and God is building you with apostolic prophetic foundations. You've been targeted by the enemy. He's tried to confuse and muddy the message at times and stir up strife and wrong ambition has crept into hearts, but no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Even your reputation has been targeted, but God upholds you with his righteous right hand. He is jealous over this, this church and this vision. I see in the prayer times that there's an apostolic focus that affects the destiny of nations. Real and brilliant and lasting connection with churches and leaders overseas in apostolic partnership. That's just some of the things. And then there was a personal word over Jen and I. And, uh, but just the, that's some of the why of what we are doing. That's kind of like what the Lord's been saying to us. And some of those words carry over in different seasons. So that word of doubling, you know, and I think that can apply in many different areas. It can apply to a doubling of ministries. It could apply to a doubling of our, um, of our Sunday meetings. It could apply to a doubling of our leadership team. It could apply to a, a doubling of our connect groups or something like that. And I believe that it's just what are we going to extend our faith for? What are we going to trust God for in this time? And if that's... And if something rings true in your heart, you can say, well, what I'm involved in, Lord, double it in this next season. I'm, I'm trusting you for a doubling. Maybe you've led one person to the Lord. Trust God for two people to be led to the Lord in this season or whatever it is, you know. God just responds to faith. And, he's, and the great thing is that God is excited about faith. It pleases Him. When we take a risk, even if we look like a fool, God is pleased. Remember that. And then, so, what are we going to do in the, like, this is our last meeting. What are we going to do next week? Well, we are going to stream from <laughs> house. <laughs> and uh, for the next, <laughs> yeah, we're allowed 100 people. 
<laughs> we'll be like sardines in there. And, uh, but, but what we are doing is, at the moment, we are busy uh, finishing off the hub. The floors are being laid uh, at the moment. The electrics are half in. The lights are half done. Um, and then once we start getting all our furniture and that kind of thing in, we will move the streaming to there. And we are looking at having a kind of a smaller group there and rotating through, through the people of the church. So it'll be a live stream, and it'll have a group of, say, 50 people in there as a live audience. And, uh, but we're encouraging guys to watch the stream together. So get in groups. You can have up to 100 people. So if you want to open your home and have 100 people in your home and watch the stream there, that would be fantastic. Uh, but it's up to you to, to do that. And, and we're just going to do that while we are looking everywhere for a venue for Sunday. Uh, we're not sure when that is going to come through. We have a sense that God is going to provide something amazing. It's almost like Abraham. God said, leave your country and go to the place where, you, where I'm going to show you. And I can imagine him trying to explain to his wife and kids to pack up and leave the city they love and the coffee shop that she visited every week with her friends and to go, where? You don't know where. <laughs> Is it going to be better or worse? I don't know. You know? Are we going to have a house or a tent? I don't know. Are we going to speak the same language as the people in that land? I don't know. But all we know is God said, move. And so we are taking a huge step of faith and saying, God, we are excited about what you're going to do. Amen.